Hello, future people. Welcome to Getting Tabled. I am the Bruce, and today I'm talking with all of my friends. Getting Tabled. Getting Tabled. Getting Tabled. Getting Tabled. Getting Tabled. Getting Tabled. With the Bruce, the Yang, and Captain Socks. just me today i'm doing it solo george has just come back from a camping trip and is either sleeping or about to sleep uh captain socks is out doing some stuff for his mother's birthday which is completely fine a uh, couple of things i want to touch on from last week for some follow-up um it's not every week that we get to do an interview especially with somebody like lewis so we are extremely grateful that he came on uh to have a chat with us uh we try to approach our interviews as a casual conversation between friends and we hope that that kind of came across um we don't as much as yes obviously we're here to talk about news and we're here to talk about all of that stuff uh we want our guests to feel comfortable uh that they can just talk about what they are able to without being poked and prodded for this and that all the time um again very very grateful uh that episode has become our most popular episode since we launched uh to the point where it's even beating the most all but one episode on our soundcloud right now uh adding the views on youtube easily makes it the most popular thing we've ever uploaded since this went live so we're very very grateful for that and thank you all for paying attention to our little podcast a couple of other notes on follow-up though firstly Given that Captain Sox was lazy and ran away at the end of that interview, here I'm going to insert the answers that Captain Sox gave to Lewis's questions. Lewis, you didn't know we were going to do this, but here you go. So, okay, okay, so what's your favourite ship in Battle Fleet, in Drop Fleet? So in regards to the first question that Lewis asked, what's our favourite ship in Drop Fleet? Uh, like George, I kind of have a couple. Uh, they're near the top for me. Uh, the first being aesthetically the London. So even though I'm in the Air Force, I know I'm going to get some flag for this. Even though in the Air, I'm in the Air Force, I love World War II naval history and just seeing the big, huge battleships with all their guns and tertiary guns and whatnot. And the UCM London Dreadnought reminds me of that of of that ship being able to go in with all those mass driver turrets and just blasting holes through ships. Um, so aesthetically, I like the UCM London. In terms of gameplay, uh, the PHR Romulus Dreadnought, yeah, it's 500 points, but with that Hypernova laser, lock 3+, plus, 5 attack, even though it's 1 damage, being able to have a burn-through rating of 14, and then with the overcharge um, special rule of being able to double that, if that's the only weapon you shoot, it's a ship killer, even Dreadnought killer. Uh, and so I like that uh, ship overall. Do you both play the same yep. faction, Zoners and Fleet? Uh, in terms of the second question, what do we play the same faction as in Drop Zone and Drop Fleet? Um, so I actually started out the Drop Universe uh, back when version 1.1 was getting released for Drop Zone. And uh, a buddy of mine that I was stationed with in, or friends with in England while I was stationed there, uh, he got the starter set. Both of us kind of liked the UCM Scourge, but I, there's, I liked the look of the PHR, and so did he. And so he actually started getting PHR. 
And so I was just like, well, I guess I'll get Shaltari because I like the mechanics of, like George said, being able to cheat with the gates and everything. So I got Shaltari. Um, and so primarily in drop fleet, drop zone, I play PHR and Shaltari in drop fleet. Uh, I have a UCM fleet built up um, and a PHR fleet built up primarily because when I was in Kansas, uh, Levi from the old group uh, was playing Scourge in drop zone, but he also liked the Scourge in drop fleet, so he started Scourge. But then he also liked Shaltari in drop zone, and then as well, and so he started building a fleet in drop fleet. Uh, so that's why I kind of have a mix of, of everything. So yeah, obviously as you can tell from that, Captain Sox had been playing the game uh, drop zone commander a little bit longer than we had, so... Um, thank you, Captain Socks, for uploading that before you went out. I very much appreciate it, given that I was like, no, you have to do this, you don't have a choice. I don't think I quite worded it like that, but we'll, we'll pretend that I'm horrible and mean. Another thing I want to do, Phil Black actually reached out to us with, um, like a timestamp of all of the different segments in the, um, interview that we'd done, which was something that he did very kindly off of his own back. It's not something that we'd reached out for help on. Uh, we were very, very appreciative of that. So again, I want to thank you for that, Phil. Uh, it's very appreciated. Uh, the last bit of follow-up I have is Chris from the Carnivale Miniatures fan page uh, asked about the Rialto scenery that had been teased as part of the Advent calendar last year. I reached out to Lewis on that personally, and he responded by posting a news article, which you can which we can view right now. So, this is the news article that he had, that he had posted for us. Um, the Rialto Bridge is still a work in progress. Basically, he talks about the process on here. Um, the Rialto is a huge part of Venice. Um, it's very, very iconic, and obviously there's a good reason why it's something that they want to do. Um, this gives you an idea of the original, but what Lewis talks about in this interview was he realised that it was going to be too big after he printed it. Um, so what he's had to do is start going back and recreating it all from scratch. Now, one thing that doesn't get talked about with MDF scenery is it's not really that simple to just shrink things like you can in like Word and stuff. Because if you shrink it, it also shrinks the thickness and everything of the material that you're using. Which then means that pieces won't go together properly. Um, so it's, it's become a much bigger project to make it work in scale and stuff. Um, I definitely recommend reading this out, especially if you're someone that's interested in designing MDF scenery. Um, it's something I wouldn't mind looking into a bit more closely, to be honest. Um, but I need time for that. So de definitely something that would be worth touching on. But let's get into the news. Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. We start with Games Workshop because that's so unusual. Games Workshop never have anything to say. Um, the actual pre-order date for Dominion is finally revealed, which is pretty much in line with what most people were expecting. Uh, it, the pre-orders start from the 19th of June. Um, I wasn't really expecting it until the last week of June, so they're giving themselves a good two weeks of pre-orders, which hopefully means that they're going to have a lot of them. If not, they're going to upset a lot of people. 
Um, having a two-week pre-order window is very brave if you're not going to have enough stock. I guess we'll find out. Uh, and it launches on the 3rd of July, which, again, lines up with previous releases. Uh, the original Age of Sigma and then second edition of Age of Sigma both released in July. So that all pretty much lines up with what most people were expecting. Uh, they give us another look of what's going to be in the box set, but of course we've seen this already. Um, and a couple of looks at what the actual book is going to look like. Looks nice. Um, I'm still on the fence about 3rd edition personally, and part of that is my own fault. I got into 2nd edition to play my Skaven, and then took so long getting them done that I still haven't had the chance to even play them in that edition. Uh, what I might try to do is get a game with my housemate at some point playing with the original rules uh, and then we can kind of move across into the new stuff and see how it goes um, so that I can actually judge both editions but that's not going to be happening for at least well a little bit uh, I do have enough to actually play a game though so it is actually something that I could do um, once I've had a chance to do that then that means that I can probably give an actual more in-depth view of the game itself um, as opposed to George that has actually played the game quite a few times with his dwarves. So hopefully we can get a thought from George once he's had a chance to play as well. Uh, they're also releasing a diary, which I find is very odd. Um, the, the, the idea is this is that you're using this for the path to glory, which we will discuss in a second. Uh, which is essentially going to be the crusade equivalent for Age of Sigma. That I am actually excited on. Um... For the same reason that I'm kind of... I haven't had a chance yet, but Crusade for 40k was something that I found very interesting as well. Um, actually, I mean, it's it's kind of a campaign system that makes sense. Uh, I've never been huge on campaigns, but this one actually does kind of feel like it would be a lot of fun. Um, and they're also teasing an objective set, which is... Yeah, it's, it's an objective set. Nice looking models. Um, but they kind of... Am I the only one that feels that these are kind of just thrown randomly? I don't know. Uh, we're also getting a couple of new battle mats, which is nice. Uh, they are double-sided, as the image kind of teases. Um, kind of nice to see. Uh, and they're releasing their combat gauge again. Which I find interesting. Also, it has a half inch which i find why are things getting a half inch am i wrong on this i always thought everything was full inches uh, that that's is our minimum move now less than one that that potentially concerns me um because yeah that that potentially concerns me uh, there's also a couple of new paints coming. There's no real way of giving a main thought on this. Uh, the Auric Flesh is a nice colour. They don't really have much of a, a mint lime colour, which is kind of nice. Uh, and then obviously there's a story to go along with everything. There's limited edition stuff to go along with everything. So we will move on. The other thing they have done, and I kind of teased it this earlier is they're giving us a bit of an idea of how the narrative campaign is going to work with their path to glory. This is very much the equivalent of Crusade, like I said earlier. 
Um, this doesn't tell us everything. It kind of gives us a hint as to what we're looking at. Um, that you're earning, you're earning points towards your quests and so on and so forth. Much like Crusade, this is designed to be narrative. Uh, so if you're a fan of the more narrative side of things, this is going to be your entry point. Um, also some new images of the orcs. I, I really do like these orcs. Um, I know that they've kind of proven to be somewhat Marmite, but I, I'm a huge fan of the way the orcs look. I like the fact that it's kind of, to me at least, a little bit more traditional. They talk here a little bit about how to set up a game using five simple steps, and the first two of these is kind of a little silly. Choose your faction in your realm. Well, yes, of course you need to choose your faction. Uh, choose your starting size and territories. I'm kind of surprised there's not a suggested size. Unless they're just not talking about that because it'll be in the book. You've got territories that you're fighting over. Um, and they give you effects to your army and so forth. I have a feeling that this is going to be something that we're not going to really get a very strong look for until it's actually out. I mean, they do give some examples here. Um, so you're trying to save up for certain things for your army. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes. The only concern that I have is... If this is going for literally a campaign feel, these types of campaigns tend to get very unbalanced very quickly, if you're not careful. Um, as opposed to the... Um, Crusade was more about building up your army and creating heroes from your army and so forth. Uh, and was kind of like encouraging you to customise things as cool events happen and stuff. So, oh, I don't know. I'm on the fence about this one as well. This might have to count for our aiming for the indie this week. Um, because I'm not, because it's just me, I don't really see that doing an aiming for the indie really works as well when it's just me. Um, but Signum Games have a hero and a boy. This is definitely not a certain PlayStation game. Definitely not that. I mean, I know it looks like that, but it's definitely not that. Um, if he doesn't talk with the voice of Tilk, I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous minis. Uh, I haven't played this, so I can't comment on the accuracy of the boy. But that hero looks perfect to me. Going back, there is solo versions as well. And from what I can see, they are literally the same. It's just that one of them comes with the fancy base. So if we go across... The only difference seems to be that this one comes with the boat. But like I said, absolutely gorgeous. I just saw these and was like, nope, got to show them off. They're pretty. Moving back into TT Combat stuff though. They've got some new terrain that's coming out this weekend. And it's all it's all very much real world type stuff. We've got Pavlov's house, which is kind of gorgeous little townhouse units type thing. Uh, very nice and detailed, but also kind of simple. You can kind of do your own thing with this as well. You're not locked into it only being one thing. Um, 
the particular thing comes in three different kits. Um, so there's an intact version as well as this ruined one. And there's also a partial one. Um, really, really gorgeous though. Um, and yeah, so you've got the choices of your balconies and so forth. So if you wanted to build like a whole series of these, you could kind of remove some of these balconies and kind of adjust the heights and everything and make it feel like they're all different buildings even though they're not. Stalingrad Fountain is just gorgeous. I love this. It's a really simple kit, but it really works. Um, I don't know who worked on this, Lewis, but th this really is simple in a really good way, if that makes sense. And cheap. Uh, we also have an example here of everything working together, which is quite nice. It kind of works really nicely. Like, you want to play bolt action or something on this, is the way that I'm thinking. Is you take this real world. I mean, you could take this into a semi-realistic fantasy setting if you wanted to. Um, probably not 40k. Well, no, 40k can be whatever you want, so... Not everything has to be grimdark. Recently, we discussed uh, Blacksite Studios. They had a game called Don't Look Back that really got me excited. They have a new game coming in July. I think it's July. Yes, it's July. Called Luna. And basically, it's a skirmish game where you're fighting on the moon. Which is interesting. I can't think of anybody else that's done anything like this. Uh, it definitely is unique. I'm hoping that the fact that it's on the moon is kind of worked into the movement rules and so forth. Because, I mean, obviously you don't have as much control when you're moving around on the moon and stuff. So I'm kind of hoping that that reflects in the rules. Um, you very much have two spacesuit looking armies here. Um, it's kind of... The idea is that it's US versus Russia fighting over the moon. Uh, but... I don't know. I, I like this. I, I don't know what to really say about it until we've seen more. But in theory, I like this. I don't know. It's... It's not something I'd ever even vaguely thought about. This is a cool piece of art where the blood is kind of just hanging in the air too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like this. It's not a game type that I'd ever even vaguely thought about, but yeah, why not? What, what if what if the rush to the moon did become a battleground? I mean, there were fears at one point that somebody was going to create a, a um a moon base out of it. Not that that technology existed, but for some reason we were scared of that. Um. All of the kits seem to be multi-part, so you can create multiple different things for the factions from the one kit, which is nice. Um, I'm very keen to see more on this. Like I said, this this was only announced early this week. So the reason that we don't know a lot about it is because we don't know a lot about it. But in theory, this is really cool. Now, on a slight change of tact, this is another company that we've kind of shown off before. Um... When the new edition of 40k came out, they changed the game size. Um, 
we had our opinions on that. Main one being that if you don't like it, just play on the normal base size. I don't see why. There's an argument as to um, people should be cutting their mats to the right size, and I still think that is a massive error because just because this game is different doesn't mean everything else will be. But there is a new option that's come out for that sort of stuff. This is by Redleaf Customs, which again is a company that we've talked of about before. And this is a border, an MDF border that goes around the thing. It goes around your mat. So they've incorporated it so that you've got little dice boxes here and little areas to um, like decorate and so forth. You can actually order a custom version of this with like, you know, your club's name and stuff on it. This way you can have the exact tournament size without having to slice open a mat that you paid a lot of money for that's now completely useless for other types of games that you wanted to play on it previously. Uh, it eliminates the argument. And for some reason this did become a very heated topic. Um, suggested game size is never... But some people tried to make it that. Other people went, no... And it seemed to become an argument for a while. It still does sometimes. I think this is a much nicer way around it, personally. I mean, if you have a mat and you only play 40k and you're happy to slice into it, then fine. The thing you need to be aware of, though, is that those mats will not hold together as well as you think they're going to if you start slicing into them. Um, especially the ones that um, that are bound. The bounding is what holds them together. So if you slice it open halfway through the mat, it's going to start unraveling. Not the rubber, but the fabric on top of it. So if you're someone that wants to slice into your mat, I'd be very, very careful about how you do it. Or maybe have a look at something like this. These guys are based in Canada though. But if the postage on something like this is going to be terrible... Maybe you can use this to inspire an idea of your own. You could easily create something like this with some custom foam. Make it look like it's part of the scenery. Make it look like it's buildings on the sides and then it's like a cliff face you can't get past. Uh, just make it narrative. I much prefer this idea over the idea of cutting into mats. I mean, you can also purchase mats that are the specific size as well. But not everybody has the money to go and do that. And a lot of people try to use their mats for multiple different things. So, I really like this idea. And hats off to Redleaf Custom for actually thinking outside of the box. Bits of War, or Cromlech, are releasing some terrain. Uh, this is all really cool looking dwarven terrain. I'm just going to open a couple of them. Just take you through so this is a stone dwelling uh, very very dwarven in the way that it feels um, very viking-esque as well which fits um, it's all HDF we've also got a dwarven inn which obviously is a little bit bigger I think the dwarven inn might be my favourite honestly it's just really cool Kind of feels like it could belong in anywhere, really. 
we've got another wooden dwelling. So it's the same roof as the stone dwelling, but with a more wooden picture, a more wooden aesthetic than the stone aesthetic. We've also got a smithy, because of course we've got a smithy. It's a dwarven area. You need to have the smithy. And we've got a pizza oven. I think this might be a little bit bigger than the pizza oven, but that is what this reminds me of, is the, is a, is the pizza oven. It looks like it's actually supposed to be like a defense tower. Um, yeah, it's much, much bigger than the pizza oven. Um, so this would not be a very good equivalent. But gorgeous, gorgeous looking scenery. And finally, we have the buyer's house, which is just a huge centerpiece model. You can see that there are some aesthetic things here that are carrying over from the previous ones, but just, oh, they've really created some nice looking stuff here. Cromlech normally concentrate more on your, um, more on your orky type stuff and I'm kind of glad to see that they are reaching out into some different areas it is kind of nice to see um the dwarven boyars are what this army is focusing around and as you can see they have actually been releasing some miniatures for it as well Ooh, I missed that one earlier let's have a look at these watchtowers they're kind of cool This is by no, by no means anything, everything, uh, but if you have a Dwarven army, uh, hello George, hey George, you've got a Dwarven army, buy some terrain. <laughs> because that's what George really needs, is me to tell him to buy more stuff. Speaking of, hey George, you know how I keep on telling you how sexy Bushido is and that you should really buy some Bushido, also Wild West Exodus? Well today I'm going to make you want more Bushido. The Shiho clan are back. So this is a new faction that's coming in for Bushido. Uh, being led by the Black Eagle that we looked at uh, three or four podcasts ago now. He was the older gentleman with a really cool looking sword. Uh, so these were teased this morning, actually. Um, so this is going to be their starter set. Really, really nice looking minis. I mean... All of Bushido's minis look really nice. Um, but I really... They do have a really distinct look. Um, I'm kind of getting like the feeling of... Like Rangers, like the... I, I kind of like the 47 Ronin. I mean, I know that they have Ronin, but it's not a faction. But that's kind of what this feels like to me. Um, apparently, these guys are in the... These guys are in the lore, but they haven't actually been in the game before. Um, so many, many years ago, during the Dragon Wars, these guys were a thing, and they haven't kind of been seen since. And now they're slowly coming back to try and take their land back, essentially. Really, really gorgeous-looking minis. Um, like I said, everything from these guys is gorgeous, but I'm a big, big fan of the look of these. Um... Kind of curious to see what they end up looking like. Given that I mentioned the Black Eagle, as I said, we have discussed him already, but 
this is the miniature that I was talking about. From memory, I think this is the one that George said was his favourite. I could be wrong, though. So, as I said, we're skipping Indy this week just because talking to myself about something that I found, I don't think works as well as showing something I found to the other guys. So I'm going to move straight into hobby time. As I've already mentioned, George is slacking off and sleeping in bed because he's too lazy to do anything. Uh, and Major Sox is a real person with real obligations and clearly works harder than everybody else. Um, George, you should be ashamed of yourself. Dream. Blue. Crying. Paint. No, George has been away with family and he got home and he actually was going to try and he just, he was, he had nothing left, which is fine. So, what have I been up to? Well, if you've been paying attention to the YouTube channel, you'll notice that I actually uploaded a video of what I've been up to, um, which I'm going to kind of insert here, a little snippet of it. Uh, I've been stripping and preparing some minis for my Bushido. This is something that I'd been planning to do for quite a while, uh, and I had talked about how I'd been testing, uh, but I actually have finally done it. Um, I'd been kind of secretly trying to film it behind the scenes and then kind of just seeing how it worked out first before I decided to share anything. But here's a little snippet of that work in progress. So there you go. Um, as a, th That's the first time that I really had concentrated on actually trying to capture the hobby as I was doing it, as opposed to just like sharing photos and trying to put something together from it. Um, but the other thing that I'm finally doing is I'm finally replacing my airbrush compressor. The one issue I've had with my airbrush for quite a while now is that because my compressor is very old, there's a lot of condensation inside of it and that comes through quite regularly and it's really annoying because it always happens in a mini when you're right in the sensitive part. Um, so I'm finally replacing my old air compressor. Um, that won't be here for like a, like at least a week and a half. It's something that I probably should have done two years ago. Uh, that's how bad it was. Uh, but I just kept on putting it off because there was always something else that was more important. So, yeah. Talk nerdy to me. Okay. So, given that it's just me this week, and that that means that it's kind of... I mean, the benefit of the Game Talk segments is that we're giving our own opinions and so on and so forth. And I don't think that works as well for a solo. So, what I'm going to do instead is give you guys an idea of how to use the actual army builders. Now, touching on something first. Part of the army builder on Drop Zone is busted at the moment. Because when they did the update, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that kind of went awry. Uh, they are still working on that at this stage, so that's going to mean that part of what we're looking at uh, will have no pictures and errors and so forth in them. Um, so I just want to touch on that because it is the system, it's not me. But I'm going to start on Drop Fleet. So, dropfleetcommander.com is where you want to go, and that'll bring you here. Um, you've got a little section on how to play, the different factions. Uh, by now we'll take you to the TT Combat website. 
the community links to their community hub, we want to go to the Fleet Builder beta. This is a beta, so it's still work in progress. And from here, you have access to all of your factions. So, just as an example, I'm going to go into the UCM. There's no real reason why, it's just that it's the first one. Gives you a bit of a description about what the army is, what they're good with, and we want to build a UCM fleet. Now, this is all here from me touching on things previously. Okay, so the first thing we want to do is we want to set a planned points. Now, just for the record, whatever I'm building here is not an army suggestion. I'm just going to build randomly um, just to show you how the system actually works. So if at the end of this I have an army that's really terrible, then... That's fine. I wasn't actually trying to make a really cool army for you. So I'm going to say 2,000 points. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to say 1,500 points because it'll be faster. Also, that's usually what most games are anyway. Uh, you can give your fleet a name if you wanted to. Uh, but you'll see here at the top that it's giving us errors because... According to the rules, at this particular point value, we need to have at least one Pathfinder battle group and at least one line battle group. So I'm going to start with the Pathfinder. Now, we have a new error because the Pathfinder one is gone. But it does say that our Pathfinder battle group must have at least one light group. So let's add that first. So our light is mostly our frigates. Uh, we do have the lighters and stuff in here as well. In the mediums, which is your optional ones for this particular one, uh, you will have your um, cruisers and stuff. So I'm going to start with some New Orleans strike carriers, mainly because we're kind of going to need them at some point. Uh, I'm going to add two of them. Um, so this particular ship is able to drop down into atmosphere and launch your dropships. So this is something that will get your troops onto the ground, hence why they're so important. Uh, and then I'm going to go back to picking ships. Because realistically, I don't think I want those on the board by themselves. I don't think that will, that will end very well. So let's just say I'm also going to get a San Francisco. This also lets you get troops onto the ground. Uh, this, however, launches bulk landers, so you get multiple things out of this. Uh, there are factions that have the ability to shoot those on the way down, just keep in mind. Again, I'm just doing things just to show you how this works. Uh, and so, again, we want to add that. And now if I go back to show battle groups, we can see how much we have left over. And... Apparently, I didn't actually add our New Orleans. So I want to plus one. Now we can go back. Now I could go back and edit that and make it look like I did that to begin with, but I'm not going to. So we still also need to have at least one line. So let's add one of the lines. And this one must have at least one medium. So... Let's do that. 
So far we've added a lot of stuff to get troops onto the ground. So let's do some stuff that's actually going to be able to shoot at things. Um, let's go for a Berlin. Why a Berlin? Well, because they're fun. I can have a grouping of either one or two of these. I'm just going to say let's have two. There's no real major reason why. Uh, and actually, you know what? Let's put some light stuff in there as well. Uh, let's have... Let's add a Lima. Because that way we've got something to kind of scan ships and be able to shoot from a longer distance. Makes sense in my head. Now, what do we have in a bang Vanguard? In Vanguard, we have to have at least one heavy. So, from this, what do we like? Well, we like a lot of things in here. But, I'm thinking... I'm going to go with the Perth, because it's got a really nice chunky um, burn-through laser, and it's named after an Australian city, so what else would you, what else more would you want than that? I mean, Perth is kind of a boring city, but hey, and I'm joking people from Perth, I've never actually been to Perth, so. Flag battle groups are where you get your super heavies. So this is where your battleships and everything that we've been discussing recently will come from. So, we're going to pick the London. Why are we going to pick the London? Because Captain Sox really likes the London. Therefore, Captain Sox gets his way. And so now, we've used a little over a thousand points. We still have quite a bit left. Um, so, what else are we going to add at this point? Ah, I missed something. So, if you have a super heavy, then you need to have an admiral. So I'm going to set this as the admiral. It's asking what level. Uh, and there's different costs depending on what you select. So I'm going to say that I'm going to go for the top because... When it's not going to cost me anything, why would I not? Uh, this will give you additional things during the game that we will discuss at a later stage. Um, so let's just say I want another one of those and another one of those. So we definitely want some more New Orleans. And... We definitely want, um, let's go with some new car race. So, at this particular point, we have one Pathfinder group that has a San Francisco and two New Orleans. We have a line battle group, which has two Berlins and a Lima. We have a Vanguard that has a battle cruiser, a flag battle group that has a dreadnought, a London dreadnought. We have a Pathfinder with two New Orleans strike carriers by themselves, and we have a line battle group with three new Cairo light cruisers. Um, so we have pretty much everything, but we don't have anything when it comes to launch. 
So, how many points do we have left over? 85. Can we get anything with launch? No, we cannot. So, let's go back and let's edit this one. We will add the fleet carrier, which has a launch of three. And we're pretty close at that. I mean, I can continue playing around, obviously. Uh, but we are actually pretty close at this particular point in time. I think I'll leave it at that for now. It just look, it gives you a rough idea of kind of how it works. This is still a beta, so there's still things that will be added and changed over time. As you can see at the top here, it does tell you what your launch value is because you're only allowed to have 15 at the most. I've just picked things randomly. I wasn't actually selecting to build like a complete list. Um, you always want some launch in your game and you will find that there will be people that like certain things and don't like certain things i do like the bulk landers but they're risky uh, because there are some people that have the ability to shoot them out of the ground um, i mean before they hit the ground which is really annoying ask captain socks about that because it used to happen to him all the time but let's move across to drop zone so this one is more completed but keep in mind, there are a couple of bugs at the moment because of what I discussed earlier. Now, in this particular case, you want to go to drop zone command, sorry, drop zone commander resources, and then army builder. Again, you've got the choice of all of your factions. I'm going to start with UCM. There's no real reason why. And from here, it's going to kind of look very similar. It gives you a look at the errors. You can actually bring them up. So. We again need to look at our battle groups, but in this particular case, it tells us that we need to have one HQ, one front line, and one armor. So let's start there. You need to, because I've got it on viewer at the moment, because normally I'm using this as a way to present. So I need to have one HQ, one front line, and one armor. 1500 points is the selected thing here. So in our HQ, hang on, we still have errors. Let's see what they say. Very similar to before. It's telling us we need to have certain things inside certain battle groups. So inside our HQ, we want to add squads to the group. And it will only show us things that we can do. So I'm going to pick the Phoenix because why not? That's been added. It'll only show us things that we can add to this particular group. So now I will go back and you will see I have one less error. Frontline. Alright. So again, it's only letting me add things that I'm allowed to have in this group. So let's add some Legionnaires. I need to have a minimum of one. A maximum of three. So I've taken three. But because of the way that this game works, I also need something to be able to transport them in. So let's add an APC. Alright, so you've got your units, then you have your transports. There's actually two types of transports though. This is our ground transport. 
You also, however, have dropships that'll actually bring in those things as well. So hypothetically, if I look at the Condor here, this can take up to six armor. And so the idea is, is that they, they're actually hanging underneath this. So if I add that as well, so then we have the Condor is carrying this, that is carrying these guys, so on, so forth. That's the general idea anyway. Maybe I don't want that many. Maybe I want more. For example. And if I do that, it'll actually show. It'll just add straight in. So you'll see here, it's telling me what I am able to carry and then what I've actually got. So in theory, I could add another bear because the bear takes up three. Now, if I go back, it will be the same thing on all of the previous ones. I'm going to leave it at that though because it generally shows you how it works. Now, again, the, this is still something that's being fixed actively. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I'm not going to go full army on this one because I know that there are errors in it. But that's generally the, the idea that you want to do. You will have something that is going to bring your APC onto the field. That APC will take the rest of the distance. Your actual guys don't move very far. So you don't want them walking across the board because they're just not going to survive. Well, they might, but it's very, unli it's very unlikely. Um, but just to give you a rough idea of how the software works, uh, everything is linked in the TT Combat's website. Uh, otherwise, dropzonecommander.com or dropfleetcommander.com, respectively. Alright, so, coming to the end, let's have a look at some upcoming events. Uh, the UK Gaming Expo is still on sale. Uh, that will be taking place from July 31st until August 1st. There's a lateral flow test that's required for everybody that's attending. So that's all attendees, all volunteers, and all staff. Gen Con is still incoming, September 16th till 19th. PAX Australia is still incoming. That's Friday the 8th of October until Sunday the 10th of October. And last but not least, the Drop Zone Commander Community Facebook page have a competition running that was started by Lewis. Um, paint any Drop Zone Commander model like it belongs in a different franchise or universe. You have up until the 8th of August. Um, so, for example, maybe you want to paint up one of the tank-looking things to looks like it belongs to the A-Team. Uh, or maybe you want to paint up uh, one of the mechs to make it looks like it belongs in Transformers. Um, just go nuts. Um, if you can make something that looks like it could belong to a whole army, then hey, maybe you've got your next army in the in the start. But this is something that you can have a lot of fun with. Just pick something iconic and just see how far I can go. I think you can have a lot of fun with this one. Thank you for those that continue to support us, especially people that support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gettingtabled. Uh, it's very much appreciated. It helps us bring this to you each and every fortnight. Um, 
If you would like to stay in touch with us via Facebook, it's facebook.com slash gettingtabled. That's the most active social media that we have. We do have Twitter and Instagram at gettingtabled. They are used. It's not quite as active as Facebook, but they are there. If you would prefer to watch the video versions of these podcasts, they are available on youtube.com. All you need to do is search Getting Tabled. We are the first 10 to 15 results at this point. Um, Find our channel, subscribe to it, and you will get every episode as it comes. Our Patreon supporters will get first access to the video versions of these, and they will then get uploaded to the YouTube channel the following weekend. Otherwise, if you would like to reach out to the team, and let them know how disappointed that you are that you had to listen to me and nobody else, reach out to them, gettingtabled at gmail.com, and tell them how boring I am to listen to and how they should never not show up ever again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mattias at soundimage.org.